the unofficial Bengals podcast. Welcome to the unofficial Bengals podcast. This is your host, Frank LaPlaca, and I'm a Bengals fan for life. This episode is going to be entirely dedicated to Joe Burrow. The unofficial Bengals podcast is brought to you by the Zedia Network. Joe Burrow. There have been some dark moments in Cincinnati Bengals history. I mean, if you go chronologically, you can go to that goal line stand in Super Bowl 16 by the 49ers. You go to Super Bowl 23 with the Joe Montana drive. Then the playoffs after the 2005 season, Carson Palmer blowing out his knee. You have the Jeremy Hill fumble after the 2014 season. And now in good old 2020, we have the Joe Burrow knee injury. I don't like to dwell on the negatives. It's not fun to listen to. It's not fun to talk about. But, you know, this was a big moment in our history and in our season. I'm sorry, Joe. I'm really sorry. You worked your tail off to be the quarterback that you are. You came into the locker room and you were the leader of the team right away. You've worked on your craft and become one of the best athletes in the world. You come to a team that had the worst record in the league last year and you start giving everybody a ray of hope, all the fans, the players, the front office, the coaches. I know Herbert's having a good year, but you were going to be the rookie of the year. You know, you're the rookie of the year to me, man. Don't worry about that. I just want to say thank you. You know, it's not fair. Bad things happen to good people. You know, I know no one died. No one was paralyzed. I mean, you know, those, those would be the most horrific things. But this, this hurt. This hurt you. I feel bad for you, man. I feel bad for your family. I feel bad for your friends. I feel bad for your teammates, the coaches, all the people listening to this podcast right now. I feel bad for you. I feel bad for the fans. I feel bad for even Michael Jordan. And what do you say after it happens? You're still the warrior. You're still the coolest guy in the room. You can't get rid of me that easy. Damn, man. You know, it's like a kid who comes from a family with not much money, and he gets a toy that he absolutely treasures, and then some kid from the neighborhood breaks that toy. It's tragic. It's sad. I'm devastated. I went through the whole gamut of emotions. I mean... It would have been tough sitting in the room in Keyport, New Jersey with me. I give my girlfriend credit, I'll be honest with you. You know, the first emotion was disbelief, then rage. Thank God I didn't break anything. Then sadness, and then this kind of numbness. I don't even remember the second half of that game after it happened. I didn't even care. This was probably the least amount of fun I've ever had watching a Bengal game. And I'm worried about you, man. I'm worried about Joe Burrow. You know, that's an ACL. He, I mean, he may even have more damage than that. Usually other things accompany an ACL, especially when it's a contact ACL injury. So what's an ACL tear like? Well, eight years ago, I tore my ACL, and it wasn't a contact injury. It was a non-contact. So that's not as bad as, you know, having the force of a 300-pound man just thrashing the side of your knee. So what happens when you tear an ACL? You know, as fans, people that haven't gone through it, you think, oh, you know, it's an ACL, you know, he'll be back less than a year. But it's not easy. It was the worst physical thing that's ever happened to me in my life. You know, when it first happens, all right, let me take you through it. So when it first happens, you can't get surgery for at least a month because the swelling has to go down. So you end up walking around with a torn ACL, and it's a weird feeling. Like, it feels like the bottom half of your leg isn't connected to the top half. It's just this weird 
like swinging in the breeze kind of leg feeling. It was it was a little difficult to walk. It's not that painful in, in that stage, but it's just strange. And then what happens? You get the surgery, and then the rehab starts. But prior to the rehab, the initial recovery, so when I had my ACL, right, you wake up from the surgery, you're still under the influence of the medication that they put you on and, you know, the anesthetic or whatever. And, um, you know, I came to, and then within a half hour, they were like, you got to stand up and start walking. And you, you just think that that's the last thing in the world that you can do or would want to do. Because they're like, you have to start using it right away. If you don't use it right away, you may have an unevenness in your legs. One leg might be longer than the other if you don't like get right on things. So there, there I was, walking out the door on crutches, putting weight on it right away. And then, you know, you come home, the anesthesia starts to wear off, and then the pain starts setting in. And it gets to the point, you know, I was on the couch... And I didn't even want to get up to go to the bathroom. I would wait like 12 hours to go to the bathroom just because the 15-step walk from the couch that I was on to the bathroom was excruciatingly painful. And then, you know, you elevate your leg. And I elevated my leg. I don't know if I did something wrong or whatnot, but my leg started swelling up because the blood was all pooling up and it got purple. I mean, you couldn't even graze my leg without it being excruciating pain. And you know, and I have a tolerance for pain. I'm not one of those guys that cries about things. I can take pain. But man, this one was bad. I got to tell you, I, I was a wreck. And then, you know, psychologically, you wonder what's what's going on, you know. You, you, I had to learn to walk again. I know that sounds extreme, but it's really true. And in addition to the ACL, I tore a meniscus as well. So like I said, it usually comes with a couple things. And then the rehab starts. You know, you go to physical therapy and you, you feel like a child because you, you can't, you, like, you actually look at other people that are just walking around normally and you get a little jealous, like, man, it, I wish I could do that. And the rehab, you know, it's there's painful moments, there's not painful moments, it comes and goes. But the main thing is, like, I had this machine at home where you had to, it, it made you more flexible. Like, it was this mechanical thing that made your knee bend to different angles. So, you know, you started at a certain angle and then as time went on, you eventually got to like a 45 and stuff. And, you know, that was the whole process. So it took me a while and, I mean, I'm not a professional athlete. These guys have the best care, and that's why these guys bounce back so easily from it. But, honestly, I used to run a 4.640. After my ACL, I was nowhere close to that, no matter how much rehab I did, no matter how much I willed myself to say, hey, I'm going to be normal again. I'm going to be exactly what I was. You know, now here, eight years later, I'm fine. You know, I put weight on it. I can run. I can walk. You know, I can jump. But you st it's still always in the back of your head. And I, I did the proper rehab. Again, Joe's going to rehab a lot better than I am, and he's going to have a lot better care. So he might not have all those same lingering issues. But I'll tell you, it's not fun. It's not a picnic. It's easy for the fans to be like, oh, it's an ACL, all right, whatever, out for a year. Nah, ACL is not a joke. So it's with a heavy heart, rage in my blood, and a tear in my eye that I say the show must go on. All right, so as a result of the Joe Burrow injury, it's looking like we're going to have a very high draft pick. You know, unfortunately for Ryan Finley, the way that he looked in that second half of the game, I don't know if we're going to win another game this year. And I'm not the pessimist, guys. You know that. I love this team. I'm going to be pulling for every snap. I'm going to hope that they, that they rattle off six wins in a row. But it's hard when you have a quarterback in there that just doesn't look like he can handle the load of the NFL. He wasn't getting rid of the ball fast enough. He was reading maybe one read and either throwing it or taking off. The accuracy was a little off. He was nervous back there. I'm not going to say he was unprepared. I mean, that's the easy target. 
I'm sure he was prepared. I'm sure he knew the game plan, but he didn't look ready to play that game. So as a result, as I said, we're going to get a high draft pick. I'm hoping that we get that second or third pick and we take, um, I don't I don't know, is it Penne, that the really good lineman that's supposed to be coming out, like a generational tackle? That would be a big start to fixing this offensive line. And it goes further than that. I say you, you have to sign one or two marquee offensive linemen. You can't rest on your laurels and with any of these guys. And I love you guys. I love the Bengals. I love the players. I like Alex Redman. I like Jonah Williams. I like Trey Hopkins. Spain has been great. I like all you guys. And not to say that any of you guys won't be starting next year. I'm sure Jonah will be. They probably have Hopkins slated to play. Maybe Spain deserves to play. But they got to get in a top-notch draft pick. They have to get in one to two top-notch free agents. And then you grab another offensive lineman maybe in the second or third round. You know, I want to see four or five new guys coming in. We have a generational quarterback. We have to go over the top with that offensive line. Look at what the Colts did. Andrew Luck, shell-shocked quarterback, hit more than anybody in his first couple years. Great player. I thought he was going to be the next Peyton Manning. Took all those hits early, and it messed him up. He retired early. You know, what, what did the Colts do? They actually addressed that offensive line with Nelson. You know, they have the, the, the center. They have a, a few good guys there, and it made a big difference. Now the Colts are on top of the league, and they're going to be a strong team for a long time. Even someone like Phillip Rivers, who sits back there and doesn't have a lot of mobility, is able to sit back and make his throws and, and win games. We can do that with Joe Burrow. You protect that guy, it's going to be amazing. We're going to go to some Super Bowls. We're going to be finally smiling. But you have to keep him healthy. You know, we were thinking, I, I was thinking at least, we're going to rattle off a bunch of wins and, and be like a 500 team this year. And it was looking good. And the way he looked in that first half, oh, he was he was right on target again. Bounced right back from the Steelers game. Here was Joe Burrow. You know, we, we got the guy who's just going to lead us to the promised land eventually. You know, we would have won that game. We were on the path to. But then after it happened, the team was numb. You saw it. Oh, they showed Boyd and Higgins on the sideline. Those guys looked like they were going to cry. I don't blame them. And you know, they're also thinking about their careers. Higgins was on his way to having a phenomenal rookie year. I don't know if he's going to get 1,000 yards now. Tyler Boyd having his best season ever. I'm not sure what his numbers are going to be like the rest of the way. So what happened? Why did this happen? We saw it. You know, I, I said in previous podcasts that Michael Jordan is not really a starting level guard. But it's not, I told you so. I feel bad for him. What do you think Michael Jordan feels like right now? What do you think it's like for him when he walks into the locker room today? What's going on on his social media? I want to, I'm, It'd be crazy to see the tweets and, and direct messages that he's getting, I'm sure. So it's not easy for everyone. It's not easy for anyone. You know, he got overpowered. He was getting overpowered a lot that game. And then even after that, he got overpowered a few times too. And I don't blame Allen. You know, you want to target the guy who, who caused the injury. But honestly, he was just rolling right through Michael Jordan. And, you know, when you roll over a big man like that, you, there's a possibility you're going to fall to the ground too. And he, and he fell and he hustled and tried to keep going forward. And then there was Joe Burrow's knee. I like the Bengals coaching staff. I like Zach Taylor. I just think we got a little too greedy in that game because Burrow was doing so well. Remember, I said, you don't want to be throwing more than like 30 times in that game. He had 29 attempts in the first half. We got a little greedy because he was getting a little bit of protection. He was having a little bit of time to throw. He was obviously throwing great. We wanted to win the game. So instead of sticking to the 
quick passing game and, you know, keeping the motto of let's get the ball out quick and keep this guy healthy. We know our line's not the best, and we know this guy is, and we don't want to get him hurt. We got a little greedy, started ignoring those things and saying, all right, you know what? We're going to throw down the field. We need to throw down the field. It's a third and long. We need to get the first down. So they started sending him into bigger dropbacks and putting him in more danger. You start, I mean, it it happened, It can happen to anyone. You know, when, you, when you're really pumped up for the game and you want to win the game, you start forgetting about those those safety precautions and you just start thinking all right well you know now we're going to go on a, on a deep out to Boyd you know because Joe just hit three of them earlier in the game so that's what happened coaching staff got a little greedy it's human nature we got some ballers on this team you know Boyd and Higgins Jesse Bates he's going to be a good one for a long time Mackenzie Alexander and that's just to name a few you know there's other guys that are out there playing their tails off too it was nice to see AJ score in this game. The defense only gave up 20 points, and really, right after the Burrow injury, they just let him march downfield for that next touchdown. And again, everyone was numb. I'm not blaming the defense for that. So take away that. Just take away that drive. You know, they gave up 13 points if you take away that drive. It's a good effort. So there's things to be hopeful about. You know, obviously, there was some negative play. We, I'm not going to keep going off on Michael Jordan. I talked about Ryan Finley before. The linebackers struggled for the first time in a while. Pratt and Bynes did not have their best game, and up till now they've been having decent games. So forgive my tone. I know it's not fun to hear this somber tone. It's just, you know, I haven't shaken it off yet, to be honest with you. I've been watching this team for a very long time and living and dying by every snap. And Joe Burrow, in the short time that he was here, became my favorite player. And I just knew, you just knew that he was, for lack of a better word, the chosen one. You know, when you see hundreds of players come through this organization, and I have, this was the one. But you know what? I'm not going to say this was. This is the one. He's going to attack the rehab like he attacks everything else. He's going to line up under center in September. Although I wish he wouldn't. We get selfish. We want him to play game one and, you know, take us to the playoffs next year. But again, I, I Just like a concussion, take a few weeks, don't come back too soon. ACL, personal experience. I don't know if you come back less than a year and be high performance. I know guys have done it. I know Carson Palmer did it, Adrian Peterson. You know, the list goes on. But, I mean, I'd like to see it be a calendar year from now until we see Joe Burrow again. I know it's hard to fathom that. I don't even want to think about that because 2020 is down the tubes. Now, why is 21 going to have to be down the tubes as well? I know. But, you know, if we want to go to those multiple Super Bowls, we got to make sure that he is 1,000% okay before he goes back in there. And there's hope. I mean, Brady won a Super Bowl after he tore his ACL, probably a couple. Rivers was successful. You know, everyone knew that I was broken up. I got a lot of great DMs and messages from people on Instagram. And McLevy and Sands were right there for me as well. I know those guys were really upset, yet they were checking in on me are you all right frank because they know how hard i take things with this team so i mean those guys ride with me forever and you know going back to quarterbacks that have been successful this is the kind of guy that sands is he sent me stats on deshaun watson pre-acl and post-acl to show that he actually got better so thank you sands so that's it let's hang on to that let's think you know what joe burrow's probably going to be even better after this Maybe he won't have the same scrambling ability, but you almost don't want your quarterback to be a big-time scrambler because eventually they get their bell rung, and eventually they're not the same with too many hits like that either. So the rest of this year, 
Let's keep watching. They're Bengal games. Let's have fun watching the Bengals, win or lose. It's better than having nothing, right? How, how fun is it in, in February and March when there's no football? I don't know what to do with myself on a Sunday. I love watching these games. So even a Ryan Finley-led Bengal team is better than having no Bengals on Sunday at all. What are they going to do? They're going to bring Allen up, I guess. The fact that he was third string means they think that Finley's better. Bring in Josh Rosen? Oh, I don't want that. Someone even said Braxton Miller. I, I don't know if he can play the game in the NFL. And there's no quarterbacks wandering the streets that are good enough to win multiple games. They'd be on the rosters already. So we're going to ride with Ryan Finley, and he's going to have a nice six-game audition to prove that he can still be a viable backup for this team. And if it's a complete disaster, then we're going to have to get another backup. We, we get maybe a veteran backup next year. Maybe a solid veteran that can start the first half of the season and, and get us a, a winning record. And then Burrow comes in and cleans up and boom, off into the playoffs. How good of a story would that be? How good of a story would it be if we went to the Super Bowl next year? Yeah, I know, I'm tripping. But anything's possible, especially with Joe Burrow. So let's do this. Let's keep watching. Let's keep rooting. Let's keep having fun because it's the Bengals. Let's have some fun. That's what life is about. And stay strong, Bengal fans. That'll do it for this episode. Next episode, I'm going to bring in one of my dearest friends and a Giants expert, Dom Mastro. Tom McLevy's going to stop by for another McLevy Minute. And Sands is going to come by to bring his expert analysis as well. I'd like to thank at Bengals Highlights on Instagram, the best page out there. Really cool highlights, really cool music, definitely something you guys should check out. And I'd also like to thank the ZDN Network, the network responsible for bringing you the unofficial Bengals podcast. You can find them at ZDN Network on Instagram or Twitter. And Zedia is just like the word media, only with a Z. Thank you for listening to the unofficial Bengals podcast. This is your host, Frank LaPlaca, and I'm a Bengals fan for life. The Unofficial Bengals Podcast.